This Rarecast is made possible by Global Genes, a leading education and advocacy organization that serves and promotes the needs of patients and families touched by rare and genetic disease. Since 2009, Global Genes has been building awareness, developing patient-focused education and advocacy tools, and funding patient care programs and critical research. To learn more, go to globalgenes.org. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. Repurposing, finding new uses for already approved drugs, has long been viewed as a way to bring needed therapies to rare disease patients that's fast and cost-effective. Farnext is putting a new twist on repurposing by using genomic data and network pharmacology to identify thousands of molecules that may be involved in a disease and finding synergistic combinations of available therapies to treat it. We spoke to Daniel Cohn, CEO of Farnext, about its so-called pleotherapy, how it goes about finding and formulating combinations of drugs, and why this may hold greater promise than traditional repurposing approaches. Daniel, thanks for joining us. Thank you. We're going to talk about Farnex, what it calls its pleotherapy platform, its pipeline for targeting rare diseases. There's been a fair bit of talk about the potential for repurposing drugs to treat rare diseases as a cost-effective and speedy way to identify new therapies. Farnex is taking a unique approach to this in a sense by looking at the potential for combinations. Perhaps we can start with what you mean by pleotherapy. Yes, uh, absolutely. So pleotherapy makes Two concepts. The first, the first one is um, repurposing. Drugs can be repurposed from one disease to another disease, mainly because of a very important property of nature called pleiotropy. Pleiotropy means that a given protein is mean also a given target for drugs can be used by nature in many different functions, or can be involved, a single protein can be involved in many different diseases. Therefore, a drug can be used in many different diseases. And this, this idea is, basic concept is called pleiotropy. The word pleiotropy generated pleiotherapy when you add to not only repurposing drugs, the concept of combining such repurposed drugs. Uh, so, therapy is by definition combining and repurposing uh, drugs already existing. In addition to this, we combine these all drugs at quite low dose compared to the, the dose where they are usually used in their primary indication. So this is the characteristic, the characteristic, characteristic. First, we repurpose, second, we combine, and this is done at low dose, or let's call it 
shot therapy goes compared to the dose used in the usual indication. What's the rationale for this approach? Why it is uh, important to, to, first of all, we deal most of the time with disease uh, in general. Uh, not, it's not specific to a rare disease, but in general, uh, it's very well known that combination of drugs are much more efficacious, more efficient than single drugs. There is always a benefit to combine drugs. Why? Because drugs, disease are highly complex. It, it might be a little bit naive without being pretentious that using a, only a single magic bullet through a drug could improve a disease that is so complex in general. Okay? That's the first point. The second rationale for, for the, 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 the for pleotherapy is repurposing. Repurposing allows to go fast and it allows to go safe. Goes fast, we go fast because we don't have to design the drugs. They are already designed. And we go safe because these drugs are in the food chain since many decades. So therefore, you believe with pleotherapy, more efficacious, more efficient, safer, and faster. And at the end, because it's faster, and because there is probably less failures, you can envision that the cost, the price of this drug could be uh, uh, affordable compared to usual the prices you have in the, in the sector. That are the rational They are both scientific and economical. How do you actually go about discovering potential combinations of drugs that have been developed for very unrelated indications that may provide a, a synergistic benefit for a, a genetic disease? That's a good question. So, what we do first is that we list through uh, mining big data about that disease. We list all potential drug targets for that disease through mining big data, mostly genetics big data. And these drug targets we are able to identify are connected one to the other. It's called a network. Meaning that if we, you hit one of these targets, you, you will be a sort of propagation because they are connected to the neighbor target. But if you hit only one, the propagation will be rather limited. If you eat several points in several targets in the network, the propagation will go like a chain reaction and will propagate the whole network, giving probably much more efficacy than uh, usual. So to summarize, we just we first generate the network of interconnected targets for that disease based on genetics, then we guess what drugs, known drugs, could eat this known target, and then we take these drugs, usually about 50, and we test them one by one, then on combination, in order to, to find out which combination of these all drugs could be synergistic and efficacious. And when you're working with these combinations, do you have to adjust the formulation so that the dosing is right, and if so, are there, you talk about this being 
you know, a, a, a safer, more efficacious approach because these are drugs that are been well characterized. But do you get unexpected interactions between the drugs? Yeah, uh, we could get unexpected interaction, but remind when we use very low dose of this drug in the combination. Uh, so the chance that will be uh, a, a bad synergistic, a bad antagonist effect is very small. Uh, but actually, we check that in animal. There is no antagonist, and even in in men, in patients, we look, we verify that there is no interaction. So far, we have not found any negative. Uh, uh, data about this aspect that is very important. And sa safety is so large, believe it or not, safety is so good that we even generally omit the first phase, the phase one. We go directly to test the drug in patient in phase two. And so we don't have any issue with safety. Are, are you limited to looking, yeah. are, are, do you limit your search to drugs that are already off patent and are you able to get IP protection on the formulations you create? Yeah, good. So, uh, uh, we, in principle, we are not limited to um, off-patent drugs. Okay. Well, we can add. Uh, uh, the only point of, inter of, of interest is is we don't like to use very new drugs because we don't have any data about safety. That's the main thing. So, off-patents are generally old enough to have enough uh, data on safety. The second point is that even when use of patent drugs, despite the use of patent drugs, as far as the combination is targeting a new indication and that these drugs are synergistic in the combination, we obtain the same type of patent than a new chemical entity, what is called Compositional matter pattern. It's like a new drug, but it's a combination of drugs. So there is no real issue in patenting this uh, sort of combination. So in addition, we have also formulation patterns. Not only composition matter, but formulation pattern. For example, if the two or three drugs are given in pills, and if you make a liquid formulation, a syrup, then you have a new formulation, and you can add another layer of protection. To, to new formulas. Well, let's talk about specifics. Your lead experimental therapeutic is a PLEO drug for Charcot-Marie Tooth Disease Type 1A. What is Charcot-Marie Tooth Disease? How rare is it? How does the disease progress? And what treatments are available today? Okay. Charcot-Marie Tooth Disease is a genetic disease. Uh, to, due to the um, uh, uh, genetic mutation that creates the overproduction of a protein uh, called PMP22 that is toxic when it's overexpressed, when there's too much of this protein, especially in the, the, the Schwann cells of nerves. So Schwann cells are constituting the, 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 the myelin that is the shelf uh, protecting and nurturing the axon of the nerves, and when axons are, are not well nurtured, they start to suffer, and ultimately they will even die. Okay? So therefore, these patients have all their what we call peripheral nerves, nerves of limbs, that progressively get degenerated, 
therefore the muscle uh, become atrophic, they melt, little by little, starting by legs and even going to uh, upper limbs and and arms, uh, where the, the, also the muscle finish to to melt. Okay, um, uh, this create this start the symptoms start at teenage, and the disease evolves slowly toward more and more disabilities. Some patients being even in wheelchair. Okay. And now there is some evidence that uh, even the, the, the lifetime of this patient is even shortened. Uh, so this is not known as being that severe, but it is a severe disease, and it is highly stable. I can tell you that the life of this patient is very, very tough. So there is no treatment for this disease, but then that there is, you can take anti-pain anti, uh, drugs, or they can have uh, support with surgery or brace, but there is no treatment to uh, take care of the disease. And your lead therapeutic, PXD3003, what is it, how did you come to consider this combination of drugs as a, a potential treatment? Uh, because when we generated the, the the, the network of targets for Saccharomyces 1A, we found that many drugs could, a few, about 50 drugs could be active. First of all, by lowering their ability to lower this toxic protein PMP treated, we thought it was the best entry point to treat the disease. Okay. In addition to this, we realized that among these drugs, three, like Acrofen, Sorbitol, and Natrexan, the component of our combination, are able to do much more than simply merely lower the toxic. They are able also to repair independently of PMP-22 the damage in myelin and axon and even in muscle directly and even in inflammatory cells, these cells that are activated and create more damage in this disease inflammation. So because the targets for drugs are not present only on the spinal cells, but are present also in the axon, the muscle, and inflammatory cells. So this explains that the mechanism is very, very pleotropic, can play at many places. So this is why we like this drug. Believing that because it doesn't act only on p 2 but downstream, it could do something outstanding to this patient, not only Delaying the progression, having less decline, but it could improve the patient. They could do things after the treatment they could, they could not do before, like buttoning something or, or, or walk better and so on. That's a big hope we have with this drug that it could also improve the quality of life of this patient, not simply stabilize them. And what are you in development of the drug? Uh, what's, what's the time frame? So we are in late phase three for uh, this uh, cocktail. Uh, the phase three we had uh, hired 323 patients uh, in U.S., Canada, and Europe. Uh, the study will be completed uh, at the end of the next year, but we have provided uh, a few weeks ago an intermediate analysis 
showing that the trial is going well. There is no need to add more patients to see something significant. And therefore, in the futility was good. It is still worthwhile to, to continue the, the, the trial because the, the data are, are, are going in the right direction. So, everything is, we have a green light to continue and we have to have, we hope to have good results, uh, at the end of next year. And what do we know from the clinical studies today? So, when we did a phase two, before this phase three, I'm sorry, I forgot that point. When we did a phase two, we, we are very pleased to see, first of all, that we, we have studied many different endpoints, many different clinical scores, okay? So when we, first of all, we aggregate all these measures all together, we see a clear improvement of patients, not only stabilization, all of this, we see an improvement of this patient, make, suggesting really that the drug is doing something good for them, and also, we realized recently that the patients that are the most improved are the ones having the optimal blood dosage in the, uh, from this drug. Let me explain that to you in one thing. If you give the same pathology, the same quantity of drugs to 20 people, Okay, although they get the same quantity by, uh, to absorb, in the blood you will not find the same quantity. There will be a variation from one to five. Okay, so therefore we looked in people having received the combination, the one having a good quantity of both drugs, of all drugs, sorry, the three drugs, in patients, in humans, and we find out that the patient having the, the best dosage for the three drugs, have much better uh, response improvement than the other one. This means that real, as this is blind, nobody knows the, the blood concentration of patients, not the doctor, nor the, the patient. It means that the drug does really do something and actually is really able to improve this patient because of this blood dosage uh, analysis, which is blind. Now we are sure that the drug is very, is, yeah, sure, is pretty uh, efficacious. Uh, plenty of drugs are by no means limited in, in their use to rare diseases. I know you're looking at a range of other conditions, uh, including neurodegenerative diseases, both, both rare and common. What else is in your pipeline? Uh, we have, uh, yes, I'm not limited by to rare disease, you can use it to any sort of disease. We like very much to work on, on neurodegeneration because this is where the challenge is very important. We are good result is not, it's not fantastic result in Alzheimer's disease in women, in patients. Uh, and we have good preclinical pre in other disease, uh, preclinical uh, result in other disease like Parkinson. Um, uh, and ALS. So we applied exactly the same technology, make the list of targets for all of disease, find compounds, combine them, find synergy, we went to patients, and find out also the synergy in, in patients. So we, we are in the process to continue this trial that uh, 
uh, will certainly will be uh, big should be good breakthrough for treating this disease. And again, even Alzheimer's, which is not only less decline but improvement of patients even after nine months. So this is a highly encouraging. So, is there a case to make yet for this approach? Do we know anything about how much it may accelerate the development timeline or, or reduce the cost of, of bringing a therapy to market? Yeah, yeah, good point. Very good point. Uh, basically, we think it can reduce the time by 50% instead of 17 to 10 years, let's say 10, 8. Nine, ten years, and maybe less, a few years, uh, if, like in France, we can use early access program to provide access to patients maybe three, four years after the beginning uh, of the, 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 the program, just because why it's possible to envision this, because these drugs are very safe. So if you have a signal that Efficacy is there. It would be, could be much easier to obtain from regulatory authority search early access program. And we are very lucky to have this as a very strong culture in France when these early access programs are not easy to obtain, but they, they belong to the culture of the, the agency. So my point is if, if it is such with such safe drugs, uh, that are efficacious, uh, even in a small trial, we can envision to have early access to patients uh, in a, within a few years instead of decades. Daniel Cohn, co-founder and CEO of Farnext. Daniel, thanks so much for your time today. Pleasure. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.